Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast, where you learn what you need to know about how the world wants to work. And now your host, co-working space owner and trend expert, Jamie Russo. Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast. This is your host, Jamie Russo. Thank you for joining me today. I am really looking forward to sharing this conversation with you. I had to do a little bit of stalking to get Adam and Mark on the calendar. They have busy schedules, busy busy travel calendars, and uh, I was really interested in telling their story. So I kept sending emails looking for times that we could get together. And they were probably like, who is this woman trying to, you know, make us do this podcast? But you'll see when you listen to our conversation, this is one of those partnerships that is really at the forefront of what's happening in commercial real estate. It's one of those scenarios that we sort of talk about intellectually but we don't have a lot of case studies around them actually happening. So Mark shares well into our discussion that he had a real mindset shift to work on in the project that they did, which we'll go into detail about, in terms of creating a brand for his building. And if any of you who are listening were at the GWA conference in Austin a few years ago, three years ago now, Anthony Slumbers was our keynote speaker, and this was you know, essentially the topic of his talk. And again, we hear folks talk about this as a concept, but we don't get to see it in play very often. So this is a really special case study. And I'm grateful that Adam and Mark shared the details about how they're working together and what they hope to accomplish in this building. So Mark's real estate firm owns an asset at 620 North LaSalle in Chicago. For those of you listening who have been long-term listeners, you may know I lived in Chicago for 15 years. I still you know, love the city. I owned a co-working space there for three years in the West Loop. So Chicago is near and dear to my heart. And I can picture this building when it was a sport mart and then got converted to a sports authority. And then after that, the next tenant, after a complete gut renovation, was a Spaces, which is a Regis brand um, owned by, I shouldn't say Regis, it's an IWG brand. Um, It's kind of a hipper, trendier version of a Regis. Not every market has them, but Spaces went into that location, took over 80,000 square feet across eight floors. And then that location was part of their bankruptcy coming out of 2020. So Mark, the one of the partners in the real estate firm had to figure out what to do with this space, which is another hot topic in the media, right? Asset owner, co-working space leaves. What do they do with that space, which is kind of uniquely set up for that particular use? So that's where Adam comes in. So Adam is the managing partner for Stream Realty, and they have uh, an offering, a service called Rapid, and they work with owners like Mark to help them Um, run their own flexible asset in a true partnership. So they share a lot of details about how the decision was made to keep the building flexible, what their partnership looks like, some of their, you know, mindset shifts, what they see happening in the future, what kind of staff they have running the building, et cetera. So lots of super interesting details about what they're up to. Again, I love it because it's really a true life case study about what we all, you know, think is happening somewhere down the line, but it takes, you know, true entrepreneurial folks like Adam and Mark to put this into practice and actually make it happen. So I think you're really going to enjoy this discussion real quick, since we're talking a little bit here about branding, you know, I've been talking about websites and customer acquisition and and all the things we need to do to make this model work. Ruben Lau hosted, uh, he was an guest on the podcast several episodes back, and he also hosted a training for our community manager university program. So I'm not sharing the whole training. That's just for the folks in the group, but we created a cheat sheet for that training on SEO that we want to share with you. We had it created. It's fantastic. And I thought I really want to want to share this with folks. You can basically use it as a checklist, go through, there's about a page 
for each sort of concept that you need to implement around SEO. And you can, you know, work with somebody externally to do that or some of these things you can do on your own and make sure your SEO is in order so that the folks trying to find you can find you. So you can grab that at everythingcoworking.com forward slash SEO cheat sheet. You can also grab that on the show notes, which is linked up right in your podcast player. Just look at the the notes on the um, episode in your podcast player and you can grab that link. Okay. On to my discussion with Mark and Adam. Thank you for joining me today. I have a couple of special guests. I don't typically do um, dual interviews. So I'm excited for this one today. Mark Blum is Next Realty's president and COO, and Adam Showalter is the managing director for Stream Realty and runs their rapid business. I'll let them give some details. They're both joining me from Chicago or um, the suburbs of Chicago. And I sort of stalked them a little bit to, to get this interview because I really wanted to share their story. And we'll dive into the details in a minute. I had seen one of their posts about their new co-working flex office space at 620 North LaSalle in Chicago. I can picture that building when it was before it was the sports authority. You'll have to tell me what it was. So it's undergone a major renovation. If you're in Chicago, I know you're going to be excited to hear this story. If you've ever been downtown, you might be able to picture the asset. So Mark and Adam, thank you for joining me today. I'll let you guys kind of take over and just give a little more detail on your roles and your background, and then we'll dive in and and talk about what you've done with this building. Sure. So uh, I'll go first, Mark Blum. Uh, Been with Next Realty now uh, almost 20 years with the same partner. We're a boutique real estate firm in Chicago. We owned assets, parking assets, office assets, retail assets, apartments. We own it all. We're opportunistic investors. And this actually used to be the Maury Mages building back in the day in the 60s and 70s. And then it went to Sport Mart. That's right. And then Sport Mart was purchased by Sports Authority until they went bankrupt in uh, August of uh, 16. Okay. So this building was actually the very first building my partner and I purchased as a partnership oh, wow. back in 02 together. Okay. So um, it's got a little bit of history with us. And a little in, bit of uh, drama, I guess. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a little interesting. You know, we had one tenant been there for what, 20 years paying their rent. They the went dream. sideways. The dream, right? Which yep. I think plays, you know, really interestingly into, yeah, into kind of what's happened. But anyway, I'll let you finish telling a little bit about yourself been doing real estate for my goodness. Every time I say 30 years, I say, no, that's not enough. And, you know, with a a wide variety of experience and have the pleasure to have met Adam and uh, working with him on this asset. Awesome. So Adam. Yeah. Uh, Well, first off, Jamie, thanks for stalking us down um, and congrats on the success of your podcast and your business. Um, I am excited about the opportunity to talk about co-working. It's something as Mark knows. Uh, We've been exploring for just about two years now, uh, starting in the summer of 2019. But uh, quick about me, I'm a born and bred Chicagoan, um, have been here my whole life, love this city, and have been in real estate for about 15 years. I joined Stream Realty Partners in 2019 uh, to help open the downtown Chicago office. Stream Realty Partners is a full service commercial real estate firm that uh, does leasing management, construction management, investment development in 14 markets across the country. And founded in 1996 by two former Trammell Crow principals and have grown from two people to almost a thousand employees nationally here today. In Chicago, we have an office downtown and an office in Rosemont with uh, about 30 employees here locally. Uh, We focus primarily on office, industrial, and data center. And as of two years ago, we're in the flexible office space uh, (laughs) world as well, which we're excited to talk about today. So thank you. So Adam, I would just tack on a follow-up there to set context for the story about this particular asset. Can you talk a little bit about Stream's interest in flexible office. So you're kind of full service. Like tell, tell me the story of, of how the firm decided to get into flexible office. Sure. And what um, your role is in that space. I hope like any good yeah, idea, this came from real life experience. Um, and so when we opened the downtown Chicago office, we actually opened it at Industrious at 500 West Madison. So 
we lived and breathed co-working for 13 months. And then my partner in Atlanta actually was on the other end and we had partnered with WeWork on a ground up development there and got a lot of interesting insight into WeWork's business model. We were an end customer in Chicago. And so we came together and basically said, you know, the traditional way of leasing uh, has been working well for decades, if not a century. And this co-working has kind of upended um, an opportunity in the marketplace. And we really saw it as an opportunity for us to innovate and adopt some of the principles and strategies that the co-working operators had mastered, quite honestly. And we felt like we had all the infrastructure internally with our leasing agents and our property managers and all our technology and resources and accounting to deliver a similar level of service um, in-house. And so when we started exploring the idea in the summer of 2019, what we really looked at it was is flexible office in our world was just easy office and delivering a seamless, fast, painless real estate transaction that was pretty atypical for a traditional leasing company. And so rapid office to us was really born out of the idea that we could deliver similar level of service that some of the co-working um, agents out there could at a much more cost-effective price for the end user and ultimately the landlords that were supplying this space. So did that look like smaller floor plates, shorter term leases? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously a lot's changed in the last 14 months. Uh, when we started out in the summer of 19, it was really in fully furnished spec suites. We did not have a business plan to go compete with co-working. Yeah. Uh, we felt like and had them as tenants in a lot of our buildings that they were really good operators and they had brand loyalty and goodwill. And so we had a bunch of fle a flexible office setups through our spec suite programs across the country and said, hey, if a landlord's willing to do a short-term lease, willing to accept credit card payment and willing to do shorter term leases than maybe five years or the traditional you know, 10-year deal, then we could do flexible office. And so what started out as really flexible office in our fully furnished spec suites over the last 14 months, as you can imagine, in some of our projects and specifically 620 North LaSalle, we expanded that offering into existing or previous co-working spaces. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you went. So Lisa Picard has spoken at our GWA conference before, and I think she used the phrase like fast, flexible, and fun. She uses the fun word, but Ooh, right. I like the fun. I like I fun. Know. She, yeah. yeah. Make it easier to get into spaces, right? And to your point, like faster lease process, all the things that just have always traditionally been painful about signing a lease. So yeah. that makes perfect sense. So Mark, tell us the story. Six twenty kind of the story of, of what you found, the situation you found yourself in and somehow you and Adam connected and decided to see what you could do with this building. Tell sure. us about, yeah, about the building, who was in it, sure. kind of the full story. So, well, you know, let, let's start, um, you know, in 2002, we bought this building in River North, very different world than it was today. And uh, we had a tenant in there, Sport Mart, and they had a short-term lease. We were fortunate we had a good uh, rapport with the actual tenant themselves. We extended their lease. Life is good, triple net lease, River North. Hey, not a bad investment. So fast forward August of 16, or really maybe January of 16, Sports Authority files for bankruptcy. And we're bumbling along for about six, eight months. And in August of 16, they reject the lease. So they vacate. Here we are. We have a build, eight-story building, probably hadn't been touched physically in 30 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, from the windows to the facade to the HVAC to the two-person elevator all kinds of uh, old stuff. We spent the next six to eight months with various architects designing all different types of uses, knocking the building down, how high can we go up, adding an addition. Is it gonna be residential? Is it gonna be uh, hospitality? Is it gonna be quite frankly, a fast food chicken joint? Given it's high, high profile location and we have uh, Portillo's you know, a block away. Everybody lines up with a Portillo's chocolate cake it, one in the morning on the ride out of town. So, you know, we bounced that around. But what we ultimately had was a gorgeous timber loft, eight-story building that really could be reused. So we decided based in Jan early 17, we need to start gut rehabbing this property. And that's what we did. We hired a general contractor. 
or hired an architect, got our building permits, uh, started to go because we needed everything, mechanical systems, vertical transportation. I think the entire building had 300 amps of power. So if you can get your house or your apartment may have the same amount of power. <laughs> <Your> equivalent. <laughs> That's right. So we spent the next you know, 12 months gut rehabbing the property um, into office. We knew that if we built it, they would come. We had a broker open house that summer because we got one floor prepped, uh, demoed out, opened up, because each of the floors were actually um, divided into three long, elongated shoe boxes, if you could picture that. So we went in and we blew out all the walls. So it was wide open space only with columns. Shortly thereafter, Regis comes along and says they're rolling out this program spaces, which is the hipper, you know, funkier, appealing to all the young people. That's where they want to lease. We, we didn't know anything about it. We knew certainly about WeWorks and we knew about old school Regis. So my, uh, my two partners and I flew up to Ontario, I'm uh, sorry, Toronto, walked the spaces in Toronto and it was it was well done, well executed. So they uh, they agreed to build that here. We signed a very long term lease with them in the building in um, March of nineteen. Am I getting my dates wrong now? I think March of nineteen. They we turned over the building, and then in uh, September October nineteen, they opened up to the public. And how many square they were feet doing their the, how, sorry, how many Jenny. square feet is the total building? 80,000 square feet. And they took all 80,000 for to the their model. Deck. Yes. Okay. They wanted to control the entire building, including the retail. Uh, they were going to put a coffee shop in there to service upstairs. Okay. Which all sounded great. Mm -hmm. So throughout 20, you know, this is a new business for us. We were on the peripheral, just trying to understand what they were doing. And, um, you know, everything we started to read about and unraveling of the sweater, it just kind of went. And in the summer of 20, uh, the guarantor on my building, as well as I think 180 other locations filed bankruptcy. All right, you know, they're, they're confident they're coming out. And then all of a sudden they start rejecting lease after lease after lease after lease. And um, uh, in our location, we, we push them really hard to the old proverbial step up and run the place or get out. And through the bankruptcy process, they ultimately rejected their lease and vacated in January of 21. So, so we saw that handwriting on the wall, call it Thanksgiving of 20. And Adam, my guess is that's when you and I started talking, end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter of 20. Hey, this may be happening. What should we be doing? And we walked the building with a bunch of um, uh, companies uh, Adam's firm was one of them stream. And then we walked the buildings as well as with CBRE, whose traditional mainline building. We also met with Industrious, um, who, one or two of the other co-working firms who, um, there's a woman's name, I forget. I think CBRE launched it. We, what, we what was it called? Their brand is Hana. Hana, that's right. Yeah. So they wouldn't even tour. It was, I was my first Zoom tour. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> literally. Um, you know, I've heard of Zoom tours oh, yeah. for res residential houses, but here I am, 80,000 square feet Zooming with people on a cell phone. And, you know, as we talked internally, we wanted to, you know, our goal was to lease the building traditionally 10, 15 years, write a check for TI, pay the leasing commission, get cash flow, life is good. But we, we also had this opportunity for this build out where someone spent north of $12 million building out the interior of the building. And we thought that there was definitely a market to activate it if we had a firm who knew what they were doing. And we thought hiring stream on a two-prong approach, traditional leasing as well as flexible, because they had both platforms. None of the other operators have both platforms. And that's what uh, was concerning us, that if I signed a, a management agreement with Industrious or Han or one of the other guys, that it would just go on. And I wouldn't be, I'd have to pass on a lease that someone wanted to lease my entire building. So we wanted that flexibility. So we, over the years, my partners and I, we've run parking garages in the past. And I equate this like a parking garage. It's really, it's an operating business that just happens to be housed inside real estate. Yep. The real estate you know, is yes. an afterthought. You know, in the parking, is it secure? Do you have the gates in place? Are there lights? All the same things here. Do we have private offices? Do we have internet? 
Do we have furniture? Do we have a concierge? These were all things we can put in place with Adam's help. And we did that inside 30 days. So uh, Regis vacated end of January. On March 1st, Adam opened up his doors. And we actually had a bunch of tenants who uh, the prior uh, uh, um, tenant forced out. They liked the building so much that they wanted to come back. They were in one of their other locations. And for a dozen reasons, they didn't like it. And, and here we are now running it ourselves. Technology has made it much easier because everything, uh, many things can be done remotely from you know, setting up your own um, network for each individual tenant, yep. uh, access with the Salto key system, uh, the exteriors. Uh, Salto, thanks you for the, uh, the plug. <laughs> yeah, Salto was great. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't know anything about it until we bought the building and we actually own a bunch of residential and we use a system called Latch, which by the yep. way is very expensive. So now we know where we're going next. All of our residential, we're gonna put Salto in. Flip it over, yeah. Exactly. So, and we have the ability to isolate the elevators so you can only get to your floor. It actually works out very well. It's very convenient. So here we are. I mean, inside 90 days, Adam has uh, brought the rent roll up from zero to something we're very happy with to allow us to uh, cover some of the day-to-day operating expenses. And we're open-minded whether this building turns into a mostly co-working flexible office building or Adam takes down a 60, 70, 80,000 uh, foot tenant for long-term. So yes, I have many questions. So Adam, we'll, we'll jump to you in a second here. So Mark, when you you know saw the bankruptcy coming, you, you were kind of open. You're like, well, we have this pretty specific layout. What do we do with this? Do we, right. Do it ourselves. Correct. Yeah, we, we, you kind of went right. through the full spectrum management agreement. Did you did you start having a preference for kind of lease? How did you feel about the management agreement opportunity? That's a, a big, you know, hot topic in our industry these days. Right. So, so I will tell you, so Next Realty, we manage and lease our own properties typically. Yeah. Unless it's out of state, we hire a local boots on the ground. So I didn't need someone in the full service management agreement, everybody wanted to give me their own engineer and their own property manager who was allocated to 10 properties and all 10 properties were charged 20,000 a month. I'm like, wow, that, that person's making $200,000. That's great for that person. So we had the resources to do all that. And most of these guys, it was, we need to do full turn, full, full turn key, et cetera. Or not, or not. yeah. Or not. So, so that was difficult with the management. And they also wanted a long-term commitment from us. Even if they get nobody, they wanted me to sign a long-term agreement, agree to pay them their fees, and maybe maybe it'll work and maybe it wouldn't. So for us, uh, being in the real estate business, that was difficult for us to swallow, quite frankly. No, it's, and, it's always really helpful to hear from an asset owner, right? Your perspective on what does that model look like? Because it's, it's getting done, right? And there are, a lot, there are reasons to do it, a lot of risk and reward to right. figure out. If, yeah. if we were an institutional owner, um, I could see why a third-party management with CBRE or CW or one of the other guys is safe and it's straightforward. Yep. But for us, giving we're very entrepreneurial, we're local, we're hands-on. Um, we saw more downside than upside with a straight third-party manage- management agreement, 80,000 square feet. Not to mention the capital investment I have to put in for 80,000 square feet. So, you know, part of- they Flip it to another brand. Is Cor- that, correct. Yeah. Someone yeah. had to buy the furniture. Someone had to buy the wiring that was removed by the prior tenant um, and reprogram when they when the guts of the of the Salto system were removed and put in, you know, and whatever. Someone had to do all that. Yep. So with with uh, with stream and rapid, we made the decision where we as the owner made the investment in three floors. We activated the uh, ground floor, which is the common area concierge, conference rooms, and basically your open desk, open hoteling, for lack of a better word. Yep. And then the second and third floor had your traditional offices. Office, yeah. All built out, right. One other thing that we got lucky with is when spaces built out their space, it wasn't like your traditional WeWork from two years ago, where it was wide open. We, we, we don't have much of that. We have mostly uh, offices from one person, two person, up to... I guess the seventh floor is wide open, but uh, short of that, we, we, we have 20 person offices and we're finding that that's appealing to a large variety of users. Yep. So Adam, 
saw the asset, kind of the product mix, the layout, and you said, okay, let's, you know, we're going to try this. And very quickly it <laughs> turned it on. Um, yeah. And in the still really coming out of COVID, right? I mean, the industry as a whole is still emerging and particularly in markets like Chicago with a lot of, you know, restrictions and, and, you know, things still, still being lifted. I'm sure things are, are not hundred um, percent, you know, rosy yet. Tell us, yeah, how your model works. What does rapid think about when you're looking at an asset like this and say, okay, what, what makes sense? What's, what's your approach to how to, how to tackle it? Sure. Um, you know, so I think, um, I guess just to give you a little history, but, you know, traditional leasing in, in Chicago, uh, which I'm familiar with in our, our 13 other markets, you know, 90% of it for its entire existence has been a B2B model. We're typically transacting through brokers, mm-hmm. um, whether they're our own brokers or whether they're partnership brokers. And I think what Regis has done really well for a long time and what we work and industrious and the others alike have done is they've captured that 10% B2C, that traditional model, right? The, traditional yeah. brokerage companies don't have access to or don't invest time in. And, and I think the age old reason for that has been it's not as profitable, smaller deals. We get paid typically on term, um, yeah. so shorter terms. And it wasn't a good profit model for some of these large, mostly publicly traded companies. And so at Stream, uh, given our privately held and we're agile and flexible and nimble, we saw an opportunity to potentially capture that 10% market share that we weren't and really launch Rapid as a way to do that through. We built a website. We created a short form lease with DLA Piper. We trained our management and leasing staff on how to deliver flexible office space. And now obviously over the last 14 months, co-working space and really saw it um, as a way to expand and innovate our traditional business and to deliver a much more profitable and partnership type of agreement for people like Next Realty. We don't charge a management fee. Uh, We don't have some long-term pay us first and then you get paid in in the end. Um, this is a true partnership to its name in that uh, we take a traditional leasing fee, a traditional management fee uh, for our people, and then all of the profits are passed on to the landlord, in this case, um, Next Realty. And so for us, when we saw you know, 620 North LaSalle, it was like, okay, the infrastructure is there. The physical asset is set up for co-working and with a good landlord that has some time and money, we can get this going pretty quickly. And as evident by what Mark said, his team and our team did a really good job. I'm really proud of everyone on our team um, that did this in 30 days and delivered what we think is um, one of the best co-working options in the entire city um, at a really, really reasonable cost because we don't have all that overhead. What do you, th- how do you think the full building will play out? Do you think it'll be a mix of kind of smaller users or do you think, you know, seventh floor will go to it? Do you have any predictions on that or is it still? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was one of the first questions Mark asked me when we uh, signed this up to move forward earlier. And I think week. again today, Adam, on the leasing call, not an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I get asked it a lot. You know, my guess still is about half of it will be co-working and half of it will be traditional leasing. Uh, I, you mentioned it earlier in this podcast, Jamie. Uh, the traditional leasing world is slowly coming back. Unfortunately, we're not in Texas or Florida where it's kind of fully back, but we're in Chicago. And uh, as restrictions have loosened, as the weather has turned, as you remember, as a former Chicagoan, people mm-hmm. come out of their uh, hibernation. Uh, we have started to see a significant increase in traditional leasing. The co-working, as Mark alluded to, has been excellent. Um, We've signed 12 leases in 90 days. We have two to three tours a week, ranging from a single office to a 20-person office. Um, And so we're very, very optimistic on the co-working side that we'll continue to be successful there um, on floors two and three, and then potentially expand up to four and five. Um, but on the traditional leasing front, uh, tour activity has picked up, inquiries have picked up. And so we're hopeful through this summer that transactions will start happening again um, and get back to, you know, I guess, pre-COVID type of activity in a very large market that's 
typically very active. Yeah. And so the building may end up being 50, 50, 80,000 square feet is a lot to take down for flex. I mean, it depends on what's happening in the market. Like the scale is nice to have, and yet it can it can be a lot depending on the location. What about the spec suite product? Is that in the building? Is that coming into play or? It's a great question. Uh, we've explored it a little bit. Um, and obviously given the investment we've made on the co-working, uh, we're kind of waiting to see what the market bears before we make that additional investment. The floors are single tenant set up now. So the investment would be putting in common air corridors and demising walls. And so it's a pretty significant um, investment from a capital standpoint. But I think that, you know, ultimately this is a 80,000 foot building, but it feels like a boutique building. And so we're confident that we'll be able to find single floor users, which is about 10,000 square feet and potentially go at it on, you know, one tenant per floor or potentially one tenant on multiple floors. Yeah. So I'm curious, did you make any structural changes to the first three floors besides kind of swapping out technology and whatnot, or did you sort of leave the mix in place? We left it with the existing configuration. We just invested in technology and furniture uh, to reactivate it. Uh, You know, during the construction process, we worked closely with Regis in layout and leaving exposed brick there was one iteration where they wanted to sheetrock over everything. And uh, I wrote a, I wrote a pretty intense email early in our relationship. <laughs> and I said, guys, this is not what we signed up for. The brick stays. Yeah. Exposed brick everywhere. Uh, they did drop a ceiling in the entire building mostly, which yep. I think works in many areas, but maybe not in others, uh, really for sound issues. I, it does. I know. Well, I told you I had the 18 foot right. ceilings in the West Loop and oh, I had to do, I had to do some ceiling dropping, which is hard to hard to right, keep the integrity of the space. But the sound issues in a model like this is pretty critical. Right. So we actually heard that from some of the tenants who moved back into the building when they went to another product um, out West, you know, okay. in Fulton Market. And it, they said it all of a sudden became almost intolerable to talk on the phone or do what we're doing through our computers because of the noise and the feedback from their neighbor next door. Yeah. I like to say in some of those locations, you can hear your neighbor pick their nose. You're exactly, that's funny. <laughs> I know. It's kind of crass, but yep. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, so Adam, back to the rapid model you service the space. So you've hired community managers, or I, I don't know if you have another name for them to operate the space. Is Was that part of your model already, or did you have to kind of add that to the team? No. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. You know, we, when we launched this in 19, we looked at potentially multiple spec suites on a single floor or multiple floors. And we always had envisioned a community manager type person um, or employee And so what we did is we trained some assistant property managers in a couple of the markets we launched in, specifically Atlanta and then Washington, D.C. And so, you know, we had the staff. We didn't have to go out and hire that staff. They were they were playing a role within our company additionally. And so it was just adding additional services and training to do that. Thankfully, in Chicago, we had a a really good um, office property manager and also a assistant property manager that had filled in at 620 and. Uh, they've done a great job. They're there five days a week, like a traditional community manager and are there as what I like to call customer relations. Right. And Jamie, I think as important uh, on Adam's staff is a, a young, I call him a kid because he's the same age as my son who graduated <laughs> college last year. And, uh, you know, he's just banging on the telephone, knocking on doors. He signed his first lease at our building, which was, uh, you know, a pretty good, uh, pretty nice momentous occasion in that young man's career and um, just knocking down one person suites, 10 person suites and, and learning, learning a lot on the job from Adam and Jess and a few other people at Stream. So your leasing team is still separate. The woman who's the, playing the community manager role is, is not doing sort of customer acquisition. You have a leasing agent who does yeah, that. I'm glad you, I'm glad you both brought that up. Um, it was one of the, interesting things that we saw as a customer at Industrious and that is my partner in Atlanta saw in his partnership with WeWork. But we we saw an opportunity and quite honestly, a disjointed 
strategy with non-real estate people handling real estate transactions, which was always a head scratcher to us because all of our people are in the real estate industry and deal with real estate. And so when we were exploring this idea and deciding who was going to kind of do the front end work of transacting and showing space, it was like, well, we have all these leasing agents, so they should be doing that because that's what they do every single day. And so our team consists of really in our world, it's property management and brokerage. And so our team consists of a property manager or managers and then uh, some brokers. And so we have a three-person brokerage team that works on 620 North LaSalle, myself and two others. And then we have an on-site community manager as well as a senior property manager that kind of oversees this asset and a couple of others. And so, you know, our model isn't any different than a traditional leasing and management uh, agreement, which is obviously beneficial to our platform and mark here at this asset because there's no additional fees. Um, but they are just doing a lot more than a traditional leasing assignment and on the front end and the back end of these transactions. So if somebody comes in for a 20 person space, who tours, the leasing agent or the community manager? Typically both. So okay. uh, ah. yeah, we, we, we always have a leasing agent on the tours, but given the experience and uh, the physical nature of our community manager being on site, we'll, we'll go, we'll get them through together. Yep. I ask because I think this is one of the challenges of bringing, of the model that you're running, right? Like Mark, both of you work in entrepreneurial sort of agile, you know, all the things that make sense for you two to be doing this together. Um, and so, but you wouldn't necessarily have every role or every hat. And so thinking about, right, the role of a community manager, like would Mark have had that on his team? No. So that's where Adam comes in. And Adam, you guys have added that, which is right. It's the marrying of real estate and hospitality, right? That's what you're doing, which is not always common. And also teaching your leasing agents, you mentioned this, you know, early on and in, in sort of talking about your competencies, how to translate requirements from like, if, if somebody comes and says, I need a 20 person office, easy. If somebody comes to a leasing agent with some requirements, it's harder for most leasing agents to figure out where do they, how much space do they need in flex? Do they need right specs? Like how to translate those needs and then figure out how they get paid and, and all the things we see that it's a pretty significant barrier to leasing agents, putting people into co-working spaces. They're just not used to that work. And so you're kind of putting all the pieces together and making sure everybody understands like the role where hospitality comes in, where leasing comes in, how everybody gets paid for the work that they do. Um, because yeah, we see, I mean, community managers wearing so many hats. I'm passionate about that role because it's pretty unique, right? Like to your point, I see community managers doing tours for 20 person requirements and that's a, and then they got to plan the happy hour and you know, fill the coffee. And it, it's a different, it's a lot for one person to do. So you've kind of separated those two. Right. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. We totally agree. And that's why we've, you know, bifurcated kind of responsibilities as it relates to those two roles, because we saw a lot of convolution in that and some of the competition. I think the other, and your company's called Everything Coworking. So I'm assuming you saw the Hulu documentary on Adam Newman, but, you know, I think one of the misnomers we noticed in the industry was that there was a huge talk about network and community and opportunities. And what we found as, as co-workers ourselves and then as other partners around the country is, is that there was a large piece of the co-working customer community that just wanted four walls and a roof. And they weren't participating in the happy hours. They weren't getting on the member directory and connecting with other people or talking about the next great startup. And so we saw an opportunity as a real estate provider to just deliver really good real estate. Really great space, right? right. With a really and great person, you know, at the front desk. And, right. right. Great I, customer right. service. Great customer service goes a long way. And I think the one thing that maybe the documentary definitely didn't talk about. I know. But I what's, think... what's Adam's, do you have a community adjusted something. I can't remember what his yeah. term for it was. Uh, I mean, I can he's tell a great you, sa- he's a great salesman. I'll anybody listening who runs a PL and runs a space is like, 
bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. I mean, Unless, uh, uh, other than Masan, but that's okay. Yeah, right. Um, but so, you know, what we saw an opportunity to do through great landlords like Mark and Next Realty is, is just deliver really good space at really reasonable prices. And, you know, we have been doing that for decades on the larger traditional leasing aspect, right? Whether it was through raw space that was custom built by a tenant or whether it was through a fully furnished spec suite. But I think it was going that extra mile and furnishing them and wiring them and putting a community manager on site and just saying, hey, we've got a great space. You can move in tomorrow. We've got this short form lease. We've got credit card payment. We've got an online portal. And so a process that in our world can take, as you know, Jamie, anywhere from six to 12 months can be fast tracked to six to 12 days. And ultimately it was taking what we believed was missing in our industry and on office space and making a seamless lease transaction process in a really nice office space. And and with DocuSign technology, Friday night, 5 p.m., Adam sends me two leases to sign. The people are right. moving as we speak. You're having your glass of wine and and high five and your wife. I and mean, dog. yeah, yeah. I mean, Adam sure is a great way to start the weekend, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah. long holiday weekend. So it it works out well. And and we also think that there's a large population of entrepreneurial office users who Adam um, referred to as wanting four walls. They don't want to call London. They don't want a call center somewhere out of the country when they want to talk about either leasing space or turning on the telephone. Yep. They want to know that, you know, Andy, our community guys downstairs, right. and he will take care of it. Or Adam or Curtis is just an email or text away. Yeah. They and need another the office or they want to. And I, I'm guessing you'll see, you know, they want to go upstairs. They need more space. You know, then right. you're, there's a, there's a lot of savings in that ecosystem, right. which you have the flexibility to do in the building. I've had, um, it's been a while since he's been on the podcast, but a gentleman named Mike Creel, he's an asset owner manager who also has an operational business in-house and they see it all the time. And he talks about some of the numbers, you know, they save when people are, you know, going upstairs and and that transition is so easy. Somebody loves the build. I mean, you guys, it's a pleasure to speak to both of you because, you know, we read about sort of this theoretically, oh, hey, <laughs> happening, right? People, there's a lot of sort of intellectual discussion about won't it be great when this comes to fruition, but there's a lot of traditional folks in real estate who, you know, six months is fine. It's fine that it takes that long to get people into a space or, you know, Mark, you just want a traditional lease, get me a lease. I'm going to, you know, so, I mean, you're experimenting and you still have a lot to learn, I suspect, and you'll you'll see, you know, through your experiment, what makes sense. And do you, it's really early. Do you have any thoughts of, of transitioning some of your other assets into being more flexible or is it still a, a wait and see? Right. So we, we don't have any, call it, uh, you know, other you know, multiple story office buildings right. in our portfolio, but what we do have, and we're talking about it internally is we have a uh, 50,000 square foot, single story flexi office where you park in the parking lot, you walk in your front door, you know, probably built 40 years ago. Yep. But I have a traditional 30 page lease. And what I'm talking about is guys, 10 pager. I want to do DocuSign. I will not negotiate it. And let's just roll this out to these. I'm buying another one actually in, in Burning Hill. More of a consumer sort of process for getting into the space. Yeah, exactly right. So we have tenants that range from 400 square feet to 12,000 square feet. And the lease can be the exact same. Yeah. You know, in those units, we don't want to do six, eight, 12 month leases. Right. We want to do three, five years. You know, we'll do a year or two with no leasing commissions and no TI allowance. Yep. So that would that's where we're considering rolling out the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. What can you take off. from the learnings that might apply to other aspects of how you run um, your business? Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. And the portal, we're actually, because of what we're doing on LaSalle Street, my next realty as a company is rolling out a portal to its 150 tenants. So they can pay by credit card. Right now, they call us on the phone, a few of them, and say, hey, can you run my credit card? Not exactly comfortable, but we do it yep. because we do it as a, as, a, as a favor to them. But now they can do all that uh, themselves. Yeah. I think the other, sorry, Jamie, just real quick. Yeah, I would add, 
um, to the question is, you know, the institutional real estate world has been a late adopter to co-working, as I'm sure you know. I remember, you know, three years ago when WeWork was growing at a clip rate and then, you know, Industrious was right on their heels. And there was always a saying in the in the capital markets world, well, co-working's fine as long as it's not 10 to 15% of the asset. And that was kind of the benchmark nationally for what institutional equity and debt was comfortable with on the co-working front. I think what's interesting that's happened over the last, you know, really two years, maybe three years is, is that this institutional capital world has gotten more comfortable with flexible office because they understand that's what the customer wants. But I think more specifically, and maybe you've talked to some of them on this podcast is, is some people are taking this in-house themselves and going beyond even just stream realty partners as a partner and equity office, obviously, and Tishman yeah. Spire has taken and created co-working and flexible office in-house. And I think what ultimately has happened is, is that institutional equity has realized they've been in the co-working game for a very long time through partnerships like WeWork and Regis and Industrious. And what they've found is that it's a very profitable business that can potentially be done internally or through a partnership like WeWork, Industrious, or Regis. And so we think that there's another tranche out there, um, whether it's a partnership through us, like at Stream, or whether it's through some other real estate companies. Obviously, some of the larger competitors are starting to learn through HANA and partnerships mm-hmm. with Notel and others. Is that there's somewhere in between signing up with an operator or taking it totally in house that I think can be amenable to some of their business objectives. And I think that the institutional real estate capital world will get behind that because they'll ultimately understand, as market said, it's not just small users that want short form leases and credit card payments anymore. We're seeing tenants that are 15,000 square feet that are signing three-year leases on DocuSign and paying, if you would believe it, through credit card. So we've also seen the same thing with the capital markets, um, Adam and Jamie. Our conversations have been with the lenders. You've been lending on apartment buildings for, for 100 years. This is now the apartment building of the office built of the office world. Yeah. I have a six or one year lease yeah. and they're either going to move right. in or out. Quite frankly, my, my term, t- my, my ability to turn the office is a lot cheaper than turning an apartment. Yeah. So why, you, you know, what's the difference in asset class? So, you know, when you say that to them, you know, they scratch their head and they say, wow, like maybe. So I think they're moving in the right direction. No, I'm so glad you both brought this up. So I actually have a podcast going live today with, um, Franco, is his last name, Ferrado from PropMoto. I don't know if you guys read read PropMoto. So he had written an article about, right, the institutional lenders like just cannot compute. And, you know, his sort of art, he interviewed a bunch of folks that just like couldn't, couldn't get behind it. And so I think for a lot of folks that can be challenging because you also need sort of an entrepreneurial lender to get behind your entrepreneurial spirit about what to do with this building. And I think the lack of public transaction data, right? So you've got the IWG, you've got a surf core is public, but there's not a lot of public data around, right? What is the the average tenure of a, of an office tenant or a co, you know, there's just a lot of data that's not available for the lenders to, to sort of understand what the risk is. Right. So I, I think the lenders have to, op, have to underwrite the owner and right. in terms of the yeah. owner's hands-on yep. ability to support stream and whoever else to get this done. Because if the owner is hands off, just like you're hands off on an apartment building, you're going to wind up with a high vacancy one day and you're not yep. going to realize it. That's right. Yeah, I, I, you guys have shared a ton of good nuggets. I think Mark and Adam, I think my, my parting question would just be if, if others are thinking about this, if there's a, a landlord listening who maybe is in a similar situation, because I, I hear a lot of these stories. And like I said, I always want to get in their heads. So thank you for letting me get in your heads. You know, what are a couple of things you'd tell them to think about when they're thinking about what to do with the asset? So, well, first I got to put a plug in www.620nlasalle.com. Please go there and check out our building. I think the biggest surprise to me was the investment in time that the digital presence required. You you had to let the world know that this building existed. You're creating a brand for your building, right? Right, right. Uh, Regis is a brand, Industrious is a brand, Novel, 
no tell their brands. As everybody tells me, including my family, I'm nobody. I got to let the world know that this exists. You're somebody. Yep. And and we've done that. And we've done a lot of building signage and Adam's um, website and his ability to get it out into the marketplace has got there. So I think that for me, that took a little bit longer. A mindset shift. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to Adam, I mean, to Adam's point, 12 leases in 90 days, that's pretty good I, I, in my benchmark. And, and if you don't have a partner, you know, someone who's willing to really go show a one office space, a one person space, you're just not going to be successful. To your point, having the community manager try to lease space when they really only know how to make sure the kombucha is filled, right? And the coffee and whatever is done and be nice. It's not going to happen. You need experienced people in the field. Yeah, no, I think that's, yes, we, ha- so I, I will say we have community managers who listen, who do manage. I think it's a, it's a very unique situation where you sort of find somebody who can wear all those hats. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're taking risk when all of that sits right. with one person, Adam sort of thoughts. And also, yes, you mentioned the website, Would anything you want to share about how people can reach out, Adam, I'm sure. Um, if there are other asset owners listening who are interested in a partnership, make sure they know how to find you. Yeah, I think my answer would be be open-minded. Uh, the traditional way of leasing office space is not as efficient or effective as it used to be. And I think that the ultimate customer who's these tenants um, want a different way. And it's something that has been somewhat delivered to them through other operators and companies. And it's something that can be delivered that through them, through institutional owners and through uh, institutional real estate partners like us. And so I think we're excited about the opportunity to deliver what the customer wants. And we feel like we have a really good platform and a business unit built around the customer, which is ultimately the business that we're all in is delivering the best service to a customer. In our world, it's real estate. And we think we found a really good way to do that. I love it. Adam, How can how, what's the best way to find you? I have your LinkedIn profiles um, hooked up in the show notes. Anything <clears> thank you. Can? I have to commend our, our marketing and PR team. Um, I'm really hard, not hard to find on the internet nowadays. Uh, Stream <laughs> Realty Partners invest a lot of capital in PR and marketing, but um, we're at streamrealty.com and uh, you could probably just Google Adam Showalter Chicago, and I'm, I'm sure you'll find my contact info. Oh, perfect. And Mark, I'll add 620 and com to the show notes as well. That, that would be great. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, thank you both for taking the time to do this. I know your travel schedules are a little intense and just getting this new uh, partnership off the ground, I'm sure keeps you busy. So lots of folks listening who are thrilled to hear some of the nuggets you shared. So thank you for spending the time. Great, Jamie. Be well. Thank you, Jamie. Come see us in Chicago soon. I can't wait. Absolutely. And we offer day passes, Jamie. Oh, perfect.